This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by the Floorwalkers Gazette. Next week's page three girl is Miss Featherston from the Bristol branch of Lally and Willits. Get your copy today. Mr. Brandon, are you free? I'm free. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jeff. And this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hooray! Hello, Mr. Brandon. Hello, Hello Mr. Unanimous. Jeff. Hello, Unanimous. Another week, another episode. And uh, last week's episode, or was it two weeks ago? I don't remember now. Was Mr. Jeff's favorite episode. This one is up there for Mr. Brandon. Really? Yeah. Is it? This girl just tickles me fancy, it does. <laughs> I don't know. Put Mr. Humphreys in a wig, and then I'm, I'm a happy man. There you go. Yeah, that 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 entire final scene, I think, made the entire episode. Um, yeah, we were just chatting before the uh, before we started recording, and I feel like this episode there was no a story whatsoever. It was all a vehicle just to get Mister Humphreys over on the lady side, and eventually in a wig and high heels. Yes. And the depths that he will do, that anyone will do to get a sale. And I love how Mrs. Slocum is yeah. like, none of I can help it. <laughs> She'll try to steal it away. Oh, gosh. And that's the episode. No, yeah, exactly. I'm we're gonna next we're week. gonna get into it. Um, this is the this is our last podcast of the year. <gasps> oh wow! So this will probably hit the podcast airwaves, which is an oxymoron. After. Um, the new year, but of course, after New Year's, you know, it probably will. Yeah, we don't do these shows live, as you can probably imagine, since you press play on a, your machine. Um, so by the Gasp. time this gets out into the world, it'll be twenty twenty one. But yeah, the last time we were recording, it's been a fun nine ten months. I don't even remember the month we started. Maybe March, February. I think we started in April. If I'm, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. It, it's been a fun ride. Um, we are almost at the end of Series 6. Next week's episode is going to be the end of Series 6. Really looking forward to Series 7, the Mr. Goldberg years, because every episode in that season <laughs> is a banger. I love when he speaks frog. Frisk-rig, frisk-rig, frisk-rig. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so... Um, that's exciting. Yeah, this is the last one of the year, and I think we all agree that 2020 can go fuck itself Yep. and um, bring on 2021. So that's exciting. That's right. That's right. Bring on the vaccine. Uh, bring on a brave new world with hopefully uh, new social mores. Um, hopefully everyone else will take our heat and remember that Black Lives Matter and until we can get out in the world, please wash your hands and wear your mask, even if um, our current government won't tell you to until January 20th. So. Yep. And I, for one, would love a Jaxi full of vaccine myself, <laughs> just like our Mrs. Slocum. Perfect. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Maybe we should um, make a, a, a Are You Being Served slash uh, That Does Suit Madam PSA for Facebook. And it's like a picture of Mrs. Slocum with her uh, Union Jack bloomers from the movie. Oh yeah, Jack-C getting full a Jaxi full of vaccine. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Get get on that. We'll get. We'll have to go. We'll have to um, fax over to our graphics department in Northern Mississippi and get them right on that. The, we'll have the whole silo at the, at the graphic design department working on that. Yeah. 
Um, we've got a couple of new friends on Facebook, Judy and Frank. Thanks for Hello. signing up. Thanks Thank for listening for to us. Joining us there. And this just in, we have some investigative journalism from superfan Jeff Uh-oh. Y, who reported that in 1978, NBC tried to do an American version of Comeback Mrs. Noah. Get out. Starring Charlotte Ray. Je- the other Jeff, you you live up to your well-heeled reputation once again. So here's the gag on this, right? Who played the Mrs. Slocum character in Beans of Boston? Oh, Mrs. Garrett. Charlotte Ray, right? Oh, that's they Charlotte typecast Ray. Her, oh, okay. They typecast her as Molly Sugden's role in that. the two adaptations they tried to do. I think they just focused on the hair. And that was <laughs> she did it, have big hair. Right? Oh my um, god! They did two different pilots. Neither of them stuck, and because uh, Charlotte Ray was under contract with NBC, they eventually said, "Well, we'll just put her on different strokes in a supporting role as a housekeeper," hmm. which eventually spun off into Facts of Life, which is, I think, one of the shows that she's most well. That's known how for. I know her. So, what is um, yeah. Comeback Mrs. Noah? In case someone's new to the show and they don't know what that is. So, Come Back, Mrs. Noah is a one series wonder, a crazy from BBC show <laughs> that was a nineteen seventy seven, and the plot is, if I remember, Molly Sugden's character gets sent off into space, and <laughs> as it's you like do, all the as one does, <laughs> and I think it's following her adventures when she comes back to Earth in the twenty first century. Is that what happened? I've seen the first episode or something where I, th- I think it's on YouTube where it's, it's it's basically Mrs. Slocum. It's like the same character, I think. And it's the same actor, dressed the same, same hair. And she accidentally goes into a spaceship uh, and she okay. whoops, goes into outer space somehow. And it shows her like her her heel, like her her knees down, like it on the ceiling like floating around and it's clearly a dummy and everyone's laughing because you know you can see her ankles ha 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 it was really goofy but really cute as well so go check it out if you've not seen it all right yeah why don't we talk about uh series six episode five of bliss girl let's do it take us back jeff what are we looking at so this episode originally premiered on December 13th, 1978, and that week in the news, the first game of the Women's Pro Basketball League was played, the Chicago Hustle versus the Milwaukee Does, as in doe, a deer, a, deer, a, female, a female deer, because we're gay. All right. Um, it, the league lasted three seasons, and it ended because the third season kicked off with a strike over unpaid salaries. Good for Women them. not being paid equally in sports. That's I've never heard of that in my entire life. Right. Um, it's uh, It was followed by the WNBA, which started in 1996 and has been going strong ever since. So more than uh, almost 25 years. I really like that you found that this week when the show originally aired, that there were like some pro women's sports stuff. Because there's a lot of parts of this episode that really... Um, Got right up my nose, similar to Mrs. Slocum in this episode, um, just because it was so misogynistic. So I kind of like that we're maybe a little bit trying to balance it at the beginning of the episode here. So well done, Mr. Jeff. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Weldon. Also that week, Cleveland, Ohio became the first post-Depression-era city to default on its loans, 
owing around $14 million to local banks. Um, Damn. Yeah. Uh, Cleveland is definitely starting to bounce back. You know, um, I, I have some friends in the Midwest and I try to visit them uh, uh, once a year. And uh, I've seen, at least over the past five years, how much the city is improving. Hmm. So, you know, it's definitely on its way. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I saw John yeah. Lennon's glasses there when I was a kid. Mm. Pretty cool. To any of the Drew Carey uh, fans from the 90s, they'll remember that Cleveland rocks. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. So. The British audiences are Cleveland. like, what is a Cleveland? Is that what, a type of what, sandwich what that the Cleveland? Americans love? <laughs> is that have Marmite on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what would it, what if there were to be a sandwich named after Cleveland? What would it be? Or like, what is? I can't think of like what's like really typical of Cleveland because whenever I eat there, I'm with my friends and we eat like bar food. So I mean, you think about Pittsburgh. What they're famous for is the um, the French fries on the sandwich on the oh, on the on the, on the sub sandwich. Okay. Uh, and you think about Chicago. You think about deep dish pizza, or you think about Chicago dogs, um, like Portillo's or whatever. Um, no idea what Cleveland food is famous for. You know, I was um, one of my favorite TV shows is Hotel Inspector, and it's this UK okay. show uh, from ITV Channel Five, where this fabulous little um, hotel owner runs around and like critiques people's horrible hotels. Right? It's very predictable reality reality show. I think they were in Cornwall in today's episode I watched, and they had fish like kippers and stuff for their b&b breakfast and i thought oh poor mr jeff would hate that place because they have fish for breakfast delicious no thank you mr jeff is not a fan of fish so if you're thinking of sending him smoked herring for a new year's gift please cancel the there we go so we start the episode and mr Harmon is doing the hoovering and Immediately, I wonder what happened to Daphne and Ivy. It's very out of the character for him to be doing the hoovering, right? Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and we find out that they're not coming in due to the fog. Hmm. So the fog is going to be a plot element that gives us a lot of sight gags for the next couple of minutes. So I want to ask, so was it like acidic fog that would kill people? Because they act as if the fog itself will kill you and give you cancer in that order. Um, I know that, like, in Victorian times, like, the smog, or the, the fog was actually smog from all the coal and shit that they would burn. But, my God, it wasn't that bad in the 70s. Although, now that I say that, I remember an episode of The Queen when it was, like, 1961, when the fog was so bad that it would choke people and you couldn't breathe. Do you remember that? I, I actually haven't seen an episode of the queen all the way through. I've seen clips here and there, but that's what I understand that when pollution was really high, that it wasn't just fog. It really was smog and it was so thick that it would enter buildings and make it really hard to breathe. Yeah. So, I, I want to, I wish I had done more research, but it was, I want to say 1961. It was after the queen had her coronation. So that was what 57, maybe um, <laughs> all the people in the UK are screaming right now. Um, but yeah, like they, they would show fog creeping along the street and people running away from it like it was a horror movie. So maybe yeah. I was so quick to dismiss it thinking it was silly, but maybe 
I mean, Christ, if that happened and then a decade later it was a really bad fog day, wouldn't you be scared of it too? I would. So, no. hmm. so speaking of fog, I know that you spend some time in the Bay Area. San Francisco, yes. <laughs> Do people <laughs> around there really call the fog Carl? Or is that something they just try and sell to tourists? Oh, no, no. It's actually called Carl. Um, um, some newspaper okay. guy in the 70s, I think, or 60s named it Carl. Not with a C. Damn you. It's with a K. Carl with a K. And, uh, because K goes cut, not so. Liza with the <laughs> fog. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, but people just kind of like it. I mean, San Francisco loves its eccentricities. Uh, so. Okay. Got it. So back to Mr. Harmon, sorry, back to Mr. Armin Mr. doing Armin the Ubering. Ubering. Um, he says that uh, it's called that because Hoover was the first to market. And if Goblin had the first, he'd be Goblin up the dust. So, <laughs> Which is interesting because Goblin is the name of the company that makes um, the most famous teas made that I'm slightly obsessed with. Oh, is it? It is indeed. Um, okay, so yeah, Goblin was a real company that did manufacture vacuums. I didn't know they also make, made the teas made. Um, so it's interesting that in the UK, they use Hoover as a generic word for vacuum, yeah. whereas that word didn't take off in the US. Like we don't call vacuums by, well, historically, we don't call vacuums by their brand names, but using the using the word hoover as a verb has fallen out of favor in the past 15 years or so with the introduction of dyson to the market oh god that's you know? like the most classist thing ever <laughs> it totally is but remember that also because dyson is a european product it costs a little bit less over there it is a little bit more affordable and it's not as classist as it is here I suppose. But, I mean, just, come on. We are talking about the UK, which is like one of the most classist societies. Yeah, I suppose it's, there is. Right. I'm just picturing the the lovely man who invents it, and he's on the commercials, and he's like, "I invented a, a vacuum cleaner because it just wasn't doing it properly," and he just sounds so like. I live in a, in a detached family home in the countryside. <laughs> I live in a detached house. <laughs> have you Have you ever used a Dyson? No, me or Dyson? Nevins, no. What do I look like? It, I drive a vintage Rolls Royce and I let people ride it on the running board? No. It does <laughs> It does actually make a difference. I, I have used one before and I have I do notice a difference between a standard vacuum in terms of how much it, it doesn't lose suction. You sound so. like their marketing person right now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um he Mr. Harmon also calls uh, the Hoover R2-D2 because it is shaped like uh, a little – it's a canister that sits low to the ground. And it kind of does look like the R2-D2 I kind of thought that was character. cool. I mean like that, that very much dates the show, doesn't it? Because when does Star Wars come out? 1977? About seven, yeah. So uh, the first movie, which I believe is episode four, when you – count backwards with the trilogy that's really a prequel the, i right? think it's the fourth movie is actually episode one i think that's the correct no. right yeah. so the one the, the the first one that came out <laughs> chronologically in 1977 is episode four so that would have been like right? fresh in the heels of everybody and exactly okay. right so we get we get the setup that um there's a terrible fog, and so this is going to start to give us the gags right lucas comes in um 
Well, Peacock comes in coughing, wearing a scarf, and we get the whole bit about young Mr. Grace not giving him a lift because he didn't want to let the fog in. Um, Mr. Lucas is wearing his sleeping bag because he never made it home last night. He had to sleep in the camping department. Um, and so he's having trouble getting the zipper undone. Uh, Captain Peacock is helping him. The bell goes off, and the very first customer in the store is a nun <laughs> who sees Mr. Lucas not wearing any trousers. And she has, she clutches her pearls if she were her rosary, wearing I guess. any. Her rosary, right? <laughs> Clutches her rosary. And then runs off the lift and uh, gets, Mr. Lucas gets a scolding for having lost the first sale. And he's there standing in his pants. Uh, glass of water for Mr. Jeff. And his wife runs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ms. Brahms is next and the lift doors are stuck. She can't get them of all course. the way open. And we see that Mrs. Slocum is wearing a gas mask. One that she's had... Since the war, fourteen eighteen, <laughs> uh, and she goes, "Well, my pussy's been gasping all night." Um, clever, clever pussy joke because there's very little run up. It's relevant. It just smacks you in the face. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, Mr. Humphreys comes in wearing a full scuba suit with some seaweed <laughs> as a little neck a little, decoration, like, flop, um, fins on his feet. So cute. Yeah, because he swam in in the canal. Gross. I don't care if you've got a full-fledged scuba suit on. No, don't go swimming in the canal. So when I was in the UK, I I loved the canal system. I was in the north of England, so they had canals all over the place. They've really made a big deal, and they're all very proud of the fact that the canals in England, there are canals all over Britain, um, but... They've very much been cleaned up these days. I've heard in the late 70s they were really nasty. So, yeah. yeah that's, and it's interesting, too, because John Inman lived in Little Venice is the name of the neighborhood in, um, yep. in London. I don't know the proper name of it. But, you know, he, he probably could have taken a canal to, to go film the show. Who knows? That's true. Yeah. That's true, indeed. So, um Mr. Humphreys is is telling a story to Captain Peacock, and he got into a little bit of a fracas with a boy in the middle of the Thames, and we see a little bit of a surprised mm-hmm. look on um, Captain Peacock's face, making that exact sound. <laughs> and Mr. Humphreys clarifies B U O Y. So here in the states, we differentiate that we actually pronounce that with two syllables: boo, yeah. not boy. Yeah, the joke yeah. doesn't make sense if you're not British. I think. No, it doesn't at all. Um, and then he clarifies that the police picked them up on picked him up on their ASDIC, mm-hmm. which is um, A S D I C, and that is short for the Anti Submarine Division. So any kind of boat that we use echolocation or sonar um, is called an ASDIC. They say that he was giving off a strange reading. <laughs> uh, story of my life. I. It was a cute little rapid fire bit of jokes. That kind of just shows that, you know, Mr. Humphreys has been very made... Mr. Humphreys anticipates that people will misread things about him for some strange reason. Or make assumptions. Yes. Right. Up in young Mr. Grace's office, the nurse has replaced the batteries in his stress indicator. I feel that she's always replacing the battery. Like, it, <laughs> well, it's a, well, it's, it's a rechargeable battery, right? Because there's always someone having to bend over and plug it in like we <laughs> see so with, stupid, with the typist, yeah. right? 
But I mean, here is example number one of our beloved misogyny yeah. uh, for humor in, in the show, right? Um, again, she tests it by showing off her garters. Um, and uh, he then, young Mr. Grace calls the, a typist to come in, asks her to unplug the charger. So she's got to bend over and she's got a very wide posterior. And she's got like a long, like very conservative dress on. Conservative dress, yeah. right. That doesn't show her bloomers or her garters. And so he fires her on the spot and she pulls this weird face. Like, yeah. Like she's trying, like she's, she's obviously the character's supposed to be upset that she's just gotten fired. But it's more like she's smelled the perfume already from the bliss counter. <laughs> yeah. It's this weird, that weird, scene has weird been face. burned into my retinas just because of that face she makes. But how yeah. dismissive, and of course, as an adult, I'm watching this now. Um, is there anything else, Mr. Grace? No, you're fired. Just like that. Because right. she didn't like have a hot ass. I mean, you know. I, I know that a lot of people who could listen to the show now or in the future would say, oh, come on, guys. It was 1978. It was all innocent fun. Um, it's a but comedy. But people actually did get fired yeah, for and being just, unattractive back then. You know, I, I talk about it all the time. When I watch Gone with the Wind, I just it's really difficult for me to to divorce the 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 movie from what it means today. And that's just one scene that I just... Yeah, you, 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 I don't think your, your ass is hot. You're fired, you know, and she has no recourse. That just really sounds really gross to me. Yeah, and, and you, you make the argument that people in today would think, oh, that couldn't happen today. Well, it almost did, right? If the Supreme Court hadn't um, decided the way they did on the Title IX case this summer, employers would be able to... to define what gender expression meant for them and it's not and it's not just a transgender issue they would be they would have been able to say well women need to present themselves in a womanly way which to us means long hair and skirts of this length and da 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 and you know i'm sure there would have been challenges up and down if that had ever come to pass and people actually tried to do something with it but that's what gender expression means yeah it's, so. And it's crazy to think that, like, I mean, how great was it that, you know, the Supreme Court ruled the right way, but it still right. got to the Supreme Court. Like, there were still people right. out there pushing it. So, you know, yeah. God bless America. Hmm. Just what, what is it, 24 more days, something like that? The countdown's on? Tick anyway. Talk. Rumbold is telling young Mr. Grace that the bliss display has arrived, but the bliss girl hasn't. Uh, there is a new perfume company that is paying Grace Brothers 50, do- 50 pounds a day to sell their perfume for them. So they've got to figure out who is going to uh, be staff on the, um, on the Bliss Girl display. Mm-hmm. Um, so really quickly before we move on, I want to talk about the unfortunate typist who did get uh, fired. Oh, um, the, wo- the woman with the face, yeah. Yeah, did she look familiar to she you? She did, Mr. Jeff. She did, indeed. Yes, yeah, she did. Do you know who she is? Um, no, I don't, but I have a feeling we're about to find out. We are about to find out. What's your name? 
Oh, I like you, Cynthia. I really do like you. I'm looking for a tan. I'm looking for a pair of tan <laughs> pantyhose, please, Betty. <laughs> yes, uh, this is, the typist was played by Bernice Adams, who we saw in the old order changes as Cynthia Randall. Oh, that's you've the all same done person. very well, Cynthia. Oh, okay, Bernice. Yes. Yep. Oh, all right. Well, good for you. That's that's cool. I didn't know that. Back on the floor, Mr. Harbin brings in the center display unit, uh, which he calls the Bliss Pong Shop, right? So Pong is a Polari word, which comes from the Rumney word pan, meaning to smell. And in British slang, it means a, a really overpowering smell. We hear Miss Brahms use it a little bit later on to describe how awful the perfume is. Yeah, and it kind of has like the idea of something being cheap. In, in case of perfume, yes, but like... If you, you know, if I were to walk by a fish and chip shop, I would say, oh, what's that pong? Because it's a strong, yeah, okay. unpleasant smell, huh. right? Not necessarily cheap, just anything strong and Yet unpleasant. Yet another Polari word, so that's cool. There we go. We see a little bit of hierarchy at play where Captain Peacock orders Warwick and the other man to take the counter away. Mr. Harmon stops them because he's in charge of the men. And so Captain Peacock tells Harmon, Harmon tells them. <laughs> They start to take away Mrs. Slocum's counter in order to make room for the bliss, and she inter, uh, she objects, right? And but so she does not respond to any man's finger. <laughs> she does not at all, right? And so she refuses to to even talk about it because they're taking away her counter, and she's going to lose commission. So Captain Peacock makes an adverse entry in his book. If someone gets two adverse entries, they'll get the sack. And he notes down that Mrs. Slocum was being truculent and impertinent. <gasps> so I'm going to take you back all the way to SAT prep. Break it down, Jeff. And see if you can re- remember why um, Mrs. Slocum was saying that she may have been truculent, but she certainly wasn't impertinent. What's the difference between those two words? Com- contrast and contrast. Go you know, Contrast and what is it? Compare. Thank you. Um, impertinent is... I, and impertinent is like being mean on purpose. It's being rude. Okay. Truculent. I don't know. Yeah. So truculent is defiant and uncompromising, right? Exactly as Mrs. Slocum was behaving. And she's right. She wasn't being impertinent because it does mean rude, as you said. So because it's already written it down in his book, Captain Peacock can't do anything about it. So Mrs. Slocum will take advantage of the fact that she's been classified as impertinent <laughs> and, and give him the old two-finger salute with a raspberry. Oh, my gosh. So Very cute. They all go into Mr. Rumbold's office to explain, but someone's missing. Where is Mr. Tebbs You know, I noticed that the right? first time I hear him say something, it's like, oh, that's right. I forgot about him. He's... You know, like, the the character doesn't even really come into play. There's one little scene. Otherwise, he didn't even do anything in this episode. I'm wondering if the Mr. Kipling's people were already onto him, and uh, that's why they, you know, maybe the writers had to, like, pull him out of other scenes because they knew this kind of negotiation was going on, and his days on the show were going to be It could numbered. be, and, you know, it, it's really cool because we're getting a lot more um, noticed on Twitter and there are a lot of cool podcasts over in the UK that are finding us and we're finding them and we're saying hello and waving on Twitter world. Um, <laughs> hi. <laughs> uh, but there's one called um, 
the Lloyd and Croft fan podcast, and I'm getting the name wrong, uh, but we'll, I'll share it on the Facebook t- page. Um, they go and interview actors who have been in the Lloyd and Croft universe and the TV shows, which is really cool. And the sad thing is about Are You Being Served? Because, you know, they produced series into the 90s. I mean, they produced Are You Being Served Again, Stroke, Grace and Favor, which was the 90s, right? Stroke. Um, Well, I'm being British. You know, so a lot of those actors are still around and they can be interviewed and all of this. You know, if you have a series made into the 90s. Who's still around? Oh, okay. I was going to say, not from us, because the only one who's still around is Dormy Vernon. Right. And she wants nothing to do with the show, right? Yeah. So it's kind of cool that there's still people who, you know, touch that world of, of TV production. Sadly, our little corner of it, there's not there's no one left because they all passed away. And the reason I mentioned that is it would be really cool to go and ask James Hader or you know, Lloyd or Croft and say like, why did, did you guys know that Mr. Kimpling was like going to yank him away? And like, were you slowly writing him out? We just probably never will know, which is kind of sad. It's really obvious that he's missing, especially because Miss Brahms has a line when they're trying to figure out who's going to um, take over the, the bliss counter. Well, there's three of them and two of us. Well, there's only Mr. Humphreys and Mr. Lucas in the office. There isn't three of them. <laughs> so it's, we're not really sure where, uh, where Mr. Tebbs is. I didn't even notice he wasn't in the office, but now that you say that, you're right. That's weird. Yeah, he doesn't come in until the second act altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Mrs. Slocum isn't going to get her counter back for a week because the Bliss people are there. Um, well, we'll just have to grin and bear it. And Mr. Humphreys goes, well, I find the two rarely go together. (laughs) Oh, Mr. Humphreys. He also made another gay joke. Where was it? Um, I remember it's when um, Mrs. Slocum says, Captain Peacock, I do not respond to any man's finger. And then Mr. Humphreys turns to um, Mr. Lucas and he says, I had an aunt who used to say that. (laughs) And then he says something like. A maiden. A maiden. Like she's never, she never married. Well, now we know why. Confirmed bachelor. The, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, why don't we head on down to the canteen for a tea break? Those fairy cakes sound delicious. We'll be right back. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well. And we're back from the canteen. Uh, it was it was Tuesday, so I just had a cottage pie. Nothing special. How about you? 
<laughs> um, I didn't have anything, but they had these lovely um, scent samples on each of the tables. And I have to say my favorite was Gay Divorce. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a preview ah. about what we're going to get into. Yes. Um, when we come back, we see Mr. Humphreys testing out some of the sprays because he's been chosen among the three uh, gentlemen to fill in for the Bliss Girl. Question. On the uh, His and Hers episode, yeah. they refer to it as scent. Not perfume, right. Not perfume, because I think scent means cologne or perfume. But I'm, I'm curious... And I know in Portuguese, there is no such thing as cologne, like men wear perfume. But I'm curious if um, if scent is still a word used in the UK or not. I'm not sure. I mean, because... I don't think Because so. I know technically there's a difference between cologne, perfume, eau de toilette, things, you know, they're all somehow right. different. And so I think, you know, maybe it's one of those things like if it's not from the perfume region of France, it's just scent. <laughs> the perfume region of France. Um, I mean, it's also weird, too, though, because the, I remember Mrs. Slocum says, I'm not going to sell cheap scent. And it's almost as if there's like the word scent is diminutive in a way. Or not diminutive, but, you know, kind of like beneath her claw, right. her station. Right. You know? Like, you know, drugstore perfume. Uh, how right. dare you, Jeff? <laughs> Um, and so we learned some of the names of the perfume that the Bliss Company is trying to sell. Uh, secret Rendezvous, Lady and the Tramp. It's difficult to be secret with this stuff. <laughs> it's, more, it's more tramp than lady. Um, gay Divorce. And there was no joke about it. You would think that there would have been a joke about the word gay divorce. No, and then Butch Cassidy, where we get um, Mr. Humphreys using his telephone voice. And, you know, it's it's cool. Um, I've not seen it, but Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid with... Robert oh, Redford? that guy. Robert Redford and another actor of some sort. Because <laughs> it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. But that was, I think, 74, 75, and it was very popular. So, like, now we think of Butch Cassidy, we, we're like, eh, we kind of know what it is, but... Back then, that would have been like a big zeitgeist kind of thing in the movie. So here, here's the thing. And you might not be the most reliable source if you can't remember the actor who played the Sundance Kid. But I'm, I'm going to give it a roll anyway. You? There's another reference in sitcom lore about Butch and Butch Cassidy and Sundance having a gay reference, right? If you think about the episode of The Golden Girls where Blanche's brother... Clayton is going to get married to Doug. Sophia refers to them at one time as Butch and Sand Sundance. I think she, uh, I think the line is uh, Butch Sundance. Who's going to throw the bouquet or something like that? <laughs> and so I, I, what is the connection? Why is that? Is it just because there it was two men who had a close relationship because they were like, I don't even know what the plot of the movie is. Like, were they like fighting Western crime? I'm picturing like Thelma and Louise, but men without a car. Like basically, I'm wondering if at one point they say, you know, I love you. And it's like a touching thing. But of course, they're men and you can't say, men, can't, one, can't say they love anyone. And two, certainly can't say it to another man. Three, that must make them fagulas, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> maybe that was it. I really, I don't know. But yeah, I didn't, I'd never put that together. Unanimous, please tell us, you know, write in, call in. Let us know what you know about Butch and Sundance. 
I just went to a website, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid at 50, colon, the gay subtext. So if you think about like the celluloid closet, uh-huh. uh, a really great yep. film and book, there were no openly gay characters, well, very, very few openly gay characters back in the you know, 70s, 60s. Right. So a lot of LGBT t- uh, topics had to, had be, to be re- read into it. You have to read the subtext. Yeah, and, and like not it. actually okay. ever put it. It was, um, hold on, now that I have it all pulled up, Paul Newman and Robert Redford. There we go. Hello. Mr. Humphreys is telling an anecdote about what his um, what his headmaster would say if he could see him now selling perfume. <laughs> and uh, this is where Miss Brahms makes that joke that you like. What sort of a school did you go to? Mixed. Oh, girls and boys. No, just boys. <laughs> we won't explain that one for you people. We did that. We explained it last week. Um, yep. We finally see Mr. Tebbs. No explanation why he was missing for the entire first act. A a contractual obligation at this point is what we're thinking. Right. Um, (laughs) And he addresses Captain Peacock by his first name, to which Captain Peacock reprimands him. That's only reserved for the canteen and before and after the bell. So Mr. Tebbs doesn't want to talk to him. (laughs) In that case, I don't want to talk to you. And he walks away. He waddles away. He waddles away, right? Uh, And then he takes it out on Lucas. He tells him to, you know, (laughs) tidy the sock drawer and tidy the tie drawer and ruffles it up and messes it up on purpose to which Peacock comes by and then tells Mr. Tebbs to tidy the tie drawer. So they all start getting into it. And now we're back in Mr. Rumble's office to explain the whole fracas again. Um, And they point out that the missing factor is Mr. Humphreys. He isn't around to influence his tidiness on Mr. Lucas and Mr. Tebbs. Gays are very tidy. And they're one man down in the, um, on the gentleman's counter, because they usually have three. There would be eyebra- raised eyebrows in the trade if I was left alone in the gents with the junior. Who so says we get that? Mr. Tebb says that. Oh. It has right. a very different feeling in 2020 when they say that. Well, that's the, that's the joke. That's why it's left. That's, yeah. Mm. Um, and so Mr. Rumble decides that Captain Peacock is going to fill in and sell <gasps> on the gents' counter. Uh, he's got to sign for his tape and his chalk, and he's going to be under Mr. Tebbs. It is a fucking liberty, as Catherine Tate Snan would say. How humiliating. Right. Over on the floor, Mrs. Slocum is bringing a corset customer into the fitting room. So Mrs. Hum- Mr. Humphreys has to take over. Take over, Mr. Humphreys. <laughs> and he's, you know, just wandering about the counter. And he sees, it's a new world sees, for him. He sees one of the mannequins for displaying a bra, and he starts to stuff it with a pair of socks. And he overstuffs them to the point of the bra popping off, right? So he puts the <laughs> scarf over it with the two tassels covering the nipples and holds it in place with cello tape. Now, chronologically, we've already seen this gag in the movie. Yeah. All right. So we get to we get to see it again. The uh, TV audience reacts to it. No, I was going to say they flip their freaking wigs. They right. go absolutely nuts. And it was really cool. It was very theatrical because if you notice, he didn't say a word. John no. said not a word. And the whole thing was very physical. Which, yep. as we get deeper into the seasons, I'm appreciating more and more. And I think they notice that that's where all the laughs come. From it's not so much the writing or the the, the speech they, they they say, but like the physical stuff, you know, like the right, club because, and all that stuff. Yeah, because they're you know the 
the writers are relying on catchphrases and recycling jokes and obviously not paying attention to the plot because <laughs> there have been a couple of episodes this season where the A plot hasn't gone anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily that all changes next season because we've got some rich storylines, as rich as you can get for a half hour <laughs> 70s British sitcom. But yeah. also, um, you know, Mr. Goldberg brings a completely different uh, breath of life to the floor that Mr. Yeah. Tebbs does not. And it's almost like so. now that you say that, I mean, you know, we don't know any of these people and we're just the diehard fans. But again, Speak for yourself. <laughs> excuse me. But um, it's almost as if they use the uh, new character of Mr. Goldberg as a way to maybe dig into the, the, the script a bit and like hash out and, and flush out plot lines and stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah, bring in someone new and you can do a lot with that character and like what is their backstory and... And all of that, but... Yeah. So, Captain Peacock is folding sweaters and Mr. Lucas tuts because that's not the way that Mr. Tebbs likes it. Oh, no, 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 no. he shows him how to do it. So then, Mr. Lucas is is teasing Captain Peacock that he's going to get fired, he's going to end up in the unemployment office. And he does a Jamaican accent as an impersonation of someone... At the working at the unemployment office and calls him white trash when he um, uh, dismisses him. What are your feelings about the Jamaican accent? Eh, felt weird. Felt weird. Again, I know it's 1978. We've we've made all of these little apologies, and we know, uh, but you know, like they've never done any other type of voice ever on that show, right? It it felt it felt weird, but. I think that out of all of the mimicking and voice accents that they've done, this seemed the least disrespectful, right? It because sounded very authentic. I mean, he did kind of have an maybe not Jamaican, but island or something. Yeah, some kind of some kind of West Indian. Yeah, um, it did sound very authentic. He didn't go into Irimon. Uh, he didn't like start doing all of that kind of thing. He wasn't. He wasn't also mispronouncing words yep. or speaking in pigeon, right? He was just doing the 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 cadence and um, the um, the melody of the voice. So, yeah, probably one of the least disrespectful accents. But it was doing it as a joke, right? Like people laughed at it. I guess I right. Mean, but the but the 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 butt of the joke was not the fact that a Jamaican was working at the unemployment office. Like it was, it's the idea. It was picturing Captain Peacock there. Right. Captain Peacock was the butt of the joke. Yeah. It just so happens that, I mean, I guess like the, the trope that we've learned that Indian people tended to, or South Asian people tended to work in finance departments that people who worked in unemployment offices happened to be Jamaican. I, I, I don't think this gets in a complete ish. Um, I think that we've got lots of other issues. Out of, of ten issues, things. Mr. Jeff, how many <laughs> issues do you give it? <laughs> I think this is two. I think this is a okay. two out of ten. So it gets more than zero, but less than three. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yes. We just... <laughs> Thank you for defining what the number two is, Mr. That's Brandon. called max. <laughs> uh, we just made a, a new um, sliding scale. That does suit counting. Yeah. So another customer comes in while the ladies are helping with the corsets. Um, and she is played by Jan Holden, who would later go on to star in a sitcom called Agony that ran for three seasons. And it was about an agony ant call-in radio show. 
And uh, she was not the lead in that. I think she was like supporting or the neighbor or something like what that. What is an agony aunt? Um, so like a Dear Abby or uh, a news a, a columnist that helps oh, you solve like problems. Advice. Right. Advice, okay. yeah. All right. yeah. So the customer is unhappy with a run in her stockings. And Mr. Humphreys just says, oh, I'll just give you two new pairs. No receipt, doesn't ask for her size, doesn't ask for the color, just pulls two out of the bottom drawer and hands them over to her. And she drips with the idea of a woman of quality, which is that weird British-UK thing that drives me crazy. Right. But she kind of like, she had like a nice hairdo and she looked like she was slightly older than middle age, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. You know, she kind of had a, a, like, she has room for a pony and a Mercedes kind of look about her. Land Rover, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Mr. Humphreys decides to capitalize on the two free pairs of stockings as a loss leader and mm-hmm. tries to mm-hmm. sell her a hat and then a coat for 3,000 pounds. That's like more than the cost of a house, of a, of a car. Of the Land Rover, 3,000, right? that's in craziness. Right. So he starts modeling the coat and Mrs. Slocum comes out of the fitting room and sees that he's going to sell the coat, get the commission, not on Harden It Watch, not on your nose. No, what's even funnier is that he, she says, you know, it's so difficult. It's your hair and shoes are so distracting. And then he's like, you can see him calculating in his head. He's like, hold on a minute. He turns around and goes and get. So he's wearing. He doesn't wear the high heels at this point, but he has, like, this coat on. And you see him, like, mincing around on the floor. And then Mrs. Slocum comes out and she says, Mr. Humphreys, what are you doing? As if, like, he has, he's He's always playing. He's playing dress up. He's playing dress up and he's just like, he can't help himself, which is so funny. (laughs) Yeah. So they start, they they get into a little bit of a modeling walk-off. You know, she gets her arm stuck in the lining and tries on a Persian lamb. All that's missing is like RuPaul to come out to start singing Supermodel. Right. Um, (laughs) It's it's so distracting seeing the trousers and the hair. So he takes off his trousers while singing All Things Bright and Beautiful, mind you. Right. Which is a callback to a joke earlier in the the episode about being in the choir. Uh, Puts on high heels, puts on (laughs) a wig takes the hat off the customer's head that he's already sold to her, and he ends up selling the lot, right? So, so we learned in Founders Day that they make about 5% commission. Mr. Jeff has so, like a spreadsheet he's been, he's been updating all, this, all these years. <laughs> <laughs> the coat is 3,000 pounds, and the hat is 100 pounds. That's about 155 pounds in commission back then. Mm-hmm. Which would be seven hundred and seventy five pounds in commission today. Oh my god. Which is just about a thousand just over a thousand dollars. So he made a thousand bucks off selling that coat. Right. Damn. So the the coat the coat today, the coat would have cost about fifteen thousand dollars uh fifteen thousand pounds or about twenty thousand dollars. That's insane. So yes, it does cost more than a car. Well, fur is like I mean, I don't. I, I know people still buy fur coats, but back in the day, like people really bought fur coats, you know. And I think maybe there. It was kind an of, investment too. Yeah, and you give it to your daughter or whatever. But like, thank God those are kind of not a thing anymore as they used to be. But that's crazy. So much money. Right. So young Mister Grace comes down to the floor to visit to see how the bliss counter is doing. And he thinks that Humphreys is the new Bliss girl because he's still wearing the hat and the heels. Right. So he invites him to Romano's where he's got a standing table every Monday night. 
And Miss Jeffrey says, well, it is Monday. My mother's only got cottage pie, so why not? <laughs> um, cottage pie is shepherd's pie. So any kind of minced uh, ground beef or lamb with uh, peas, carrots, corn, and mashed potato baked. I think they call it shepherd's pie in Ireland, but in England, Britain, they call it cottage. I don't know. Is it? Did not know that. I, th- I thought that was a universal term. Anyway. I have a feeling we will get some feedback on that from the listeners. I, I, that, that is true. That is true. <laughs> so young Mr. Grace is just trying to cop a feel of the Bliss Girl. He puts his hand on Mr. Humphrey's rump where he moves it back up to the small of his back. Mm-hmm. And then we get the end credits and that is the episode. Yay. Um, you know, the last scene makes a whole episode for me. It do, it does. It does indeed, Mr. Brandon, it does. But you know, something we didn't really talk about was the scene in the in Mr. Uh, Rumble's office where he gets all of the the, the, the details confused. Right. We didn't really go into it probably cuz every other episode has that same scene kind of recycled. Um it's just so perfectly I really 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 like that actor who plays Mr. Rumble. Um, Nicholas Smith. Nicholas Smith, yeah. He's just so perfect. Like, I have been in rooms with my boss, who was Mr. Rumbold in that scene. I think well, we all not, at your, not, not at your current company, I No, hope. not at my current company, listening. but, but, um, but like, you know, I've, I've mentioned that this one guy I used to work with, he would say the, all those catchphrases like, we're really excited about the dynamic synergy of the new paradigm and the new markets. And, and I'm like, what are you even saying? But you know, he's just that, that guy who's trying to go up the ladder in right. the, in the, in the, in the episode or the, <laughs> the episode and the company. But yeah, that, that's a cool scene. And I really liked how Nicholas Smith played that. Um, but yeah, you get to see Mr. Humphreys, you know, giving it that lovely bounce with the heels, you know, with his, with his little dress slash coat. Um, so cute. So, so cute. So here's the, here's my take on the Mr. Rumbled misunderstandings and malaprops type thing. Mm. Um, it's definitely a trope that people, that the audience is trained for. They know to expect whenever many people are gathered in Rumbold's office, that's what we're going to get. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I feel that, you know, if we could go in our time capsule and go back to 1970-something and talk to um, Lloyd and Croft, mm-hmm. I would want to introduce them to Aaron Sorkin. Because I feel that if they picked up the pace with the misunderstandings, that these could be funnier and the trope could be a little bit more, have some more longevity as opposed to getting tired. I hear you. I mean, again, these were not, broadcast live but they were recorded live on a stage so right. you know maybe that was as fast as they could do it with the audience laughter and stuff but who's Aaron Sorkin is that guy is that your uncle or something <laughs> Aaron Sorkin is a very famous uh, uh, script writer showrunner TV producer and he's known for um, inventing and, or he's I don't, not necessarily inventing but he's most known for walk and talk so for example if you think of The West Wing which was oh, his show Oh The West Wing yeah 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 right. okay very fast dialogue which you know your camera follows people and it's a keeping up with action that very quick banter right oh, Okay um but the kind of jokes that they tell in the Mr. Rumbled Misunderstandings, you, they're not knee slappers where you need to let it breathe for the audience to catch up with their laughter. But 
I feel like the quickness, I think if you were to change the pacing of it, it could be. Those could become hilarious jokes. If, because in, the, in reality, your reaction to someone misunderstanding would be a little bit quicker. It wouldn't hang as much. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose we're, you know, anytime you get two nerds, like, to dissect something, they're going to find fault and stuff. Right. And, like, you know, we're doing that right now, obviously. But um, maybe, maybe comedy has sped up. In the 42 years, I mean, because this was broadcast. That is also true. This was broadcast um, the 13th of December, 1978. So that's 42 years almost exactly ago. Yeah. So if you think of all of the comedy in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And And our attention spans have reduced so much in the past 42 years. I'm sorry, what did you say? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Look, squirrel. Squirrel, squirrel. Um, so, no, I, I, I totally get that, you know. And I think also I'm being really hard on season six um, just because I know that season seven is coming up. Uh, and so I think you'll hear a lot less criticism from me once we get into season seven. Um, and then it will come right back the for The bags of hate mail of we've gotten from the post office <laughs> saying, Mr. Jeff, stop being mean. We like this show. Not really. Well, we love this show too. So what's up next week? Next week, we get a decent episode. We get the Series 7 finale, which is Happy Returns. Season uh, which is uh Sorry, Season 6 finale. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, ha- Happy Returns, which is the one with the Valley of the Toys. Oh, that's... Um, you get to see Mr. Humphreys wearing a, a pink Valley suit uh, top with white, trou- white leggings, as I recall. No, not where they do the ballet as um, exercise for Strong Stuff This Insurance. Uh, He is, doesn't he play like a little Lord Fauntleroy type character? There's so many of those outfits that he wears. Yeah. (laughs) But we'll learn all about it next week. Um, In the meantime, um, we're kind of blowing up on Facebook and Twitter. So check us out on Facebook, which is um, That Does Suit Madam. Twitter is... Uh, ampersand no at at jeez I should do Twitter more often does suit madam is our Twitter handle and you can write us an email at that does suit madam with an e at gmail.com you can call the peacock hotline at 662 peacock and if you can't spell that's 662 732 2625 I will say non uh, American listeners we've not heard an international voicemail that you can email to us by recording it on your voice memo app thing on your smartphone and just email it to us. We'd love to hear from you. But thanks to everyone saying hi to us and following us and liking us and squatting on us and spitballing us or whatever the things are. But uh, What? It's, I'm just making it up. It's nice <laughs> to hear from you all. And with that, Mr. Jeff, why don't we say it? You've, You've all done, done very, very well. well. Bye, Unanimous. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. That Does It, Madam, is not endorsed by the BBC, and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Are You Being Served is a copyrighted program of the BBC. Our interpretation of these fragrances is created through careful chemical analysis and reproduction, and they are not meant to be exact copies of the originals or to mislead the consumer.